Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Hey, hey, Mosaic! Y'all are awake today. I am loving it. I am loving seeing you guys here. Yo, live stream, I'm so glad you guys are here. But in live stream, we've got at least four different countries right now being represented. It is the most incredible thing to be able to talk to all these people. So hi friends, I jumped out of the chat, but here I am. I'm so glad that you guys are with us and I'm so glad you guys are with us too. My name is Kristen and I am one of the pastors here at Mosaic Church. I am also super grateful to be on the teaching team. So if you were expecting Pastor Naeem, nope, he's actually over here today. <laughs> but he asked me to jump in for week three of our series, Open Table. So like you just saw, this series is um, the idea basically that Jesus lived his life as an open table with an invitation for other people to come in as well. So in week one, we find him sitting at a table. He went and sat at a particular table. Then last week in week two, he actually healed a guy while he was sitting there like in the middle of this dinner party. And today in week three, he's about to tell a story about a wedding. Real quick, though, before we get there, do you guys have a couple things in your seats, right? Do you have these two things? Yeah? You want to show them to me? <laughs> so this one, some of you were like, hi, I was here last week and I already filled this out. Thank you. Thank you. And we're so grateful. But we also know that you don't all come every single Sunday. And we wanted to make sure that you didn't miss the opportunity to join our volunteer team. So if you filled this out last week, thank you. We're so grateful. If not you still have the opportunity. Online, your hosts have this same thing for you guys to look over as well, because we do have serving opportunities that don't happen in our campuses on Sundays. So you can look through this, look at the things that we have, um, volunteer positions available. Just make sure you put your name, email, phone number, and we'll contact you. You also got this little guy. This is a bonus. This was not there last week. This is a QR code that you can scan for our small groups. I am so, so excited that we have small groups. One person is excited over here too. We have small groups coming back to Mosaic and we have a lot of groups. We have so many groups. We've got groups for women, for men, for co-ed. We've got like really deep groups. We've got a workout group. I mean, there are so many group. So make sure that um, you check this out as well. They're going to be starting in the next couple of weeks. All right, so we'll get back to that stuff later. For now, let's jump into it. How many of you like weddings? Do you guys like weddings? Do you like going to weddings? You like, woo, a couple of you. Okay. <laughs> I really like weddings because it's, it's, it's reverent. You know, it's special. I always cry. It doesn't matter how much I know the person because it's so special. But what I really, really like of the weddings is the reception right? So maybe those of you that are like, meh, on weddings, how about the reception? Anybody like, yes. Well, have you noticed at a wedding reception, everybody sits at tables, 
right? There's different tables, and you can kind of tell who is who based on what table they're sitting at and who is around them. You've always got the head table, which is the bride and the groom. It's often the wedding party. And to be honest, that's just the bride's favorite people. It's pretty much who that is. That's the most important table. Sometimes there's family there. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes family is at their own table. And you might just look around and see, here's family, here's extended family. I know when Peter and I got married, it was very clear who was who based on what tables they were at. So we had a couple of mosaic tables, friends of mosaic. I was teaching at the time, so we had a couple tables over here of teachers. We had Peter's fraternity brothers at a table in the corner by the bar (laughs) where we knew they were going to spend their time anyway, and then that way if they were rowdy, like they weren't interrupting my dad's father, the bride speech that was 45 minutes long. So good, dad. I love you. It was great. Okay? But you can tell. And then sometimes... You go to a wedding reception where there are no assigned seats. Have you ever been to one of these? And then you're looking around and you're like, I don't, who are my people? Are y'all my people? Are y'all my people? And you're trying to figure out where to sit and you don't really know what to do because you don't know where to sit. I now have had the honor of showing up to a wedding, going to weddings, not just as a guest, but as the officiant. And I've noticed it even more because I'm supposed to be there in this like position of honor. I'm supposed to be there as someone special and so they want to put me at a special table. But I'm like, I, I still am me and I just want to gravitate to my friends. And so I want to sit over here with the people that are going to party at the reception. And at a wedding where I don't know anybody, that's really when I'm scoping them out. And I'm like, you guys, you, where am I going to sit? I don't know how to behave. I kind of know how I'm supposed to behave because I'm here as the officiant, but I'm going to determine, you know, who I am and what I'm supposed to do here based on what table I land at and who I'm sitting with. And then this next passage, this is what Jesus is actually going to do. He's going to tell a story about a wedding. And Jesus tells a lot of stories, often called parables. And basically what he would do was take things that people were used to at the time and he would use those to illustrate his points. So he's gonna talk about a wedding, that's still relevant today. He would talk about religious practices, he would talk about everything from what they ate to social norms to cultural um, things, what, what they wore. Today, if he was gonna do a parable, it might be about TikTok or Ted Lasso, pumpkin spice lattes. There's a sermon in a pumpkin spice latte somewhere. I'm gonna tell you, you can call me basic, I know, I'm not denying it, okay? So let's jump into Luke 14. Jesus is going to tell a story. He's telling a parable about a wedding. We're going to start at verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, and that's this table that he's sitting at right now. Apparently there were no assigned seats, and so the people have just plopped themselves down at the head table. He told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast... Do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say, "Mm, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. Not even like you get to scoot down one, but you're going to have to get up and walk around and everybody's going to see you have to go sit in the least important place. I'm guessing because by then I'll be the only one left. And I think it's easy to go, who would do this? So rude, right? Like who would just up and plop themselves down in the wrong seat? But I have, (laughs) and I've done it on purpose. Have y'all never done this at a concert 
or a sporting event or anything, okay, now you're feeling me. When I was in high school, we would go on youth group trips. Um, and so we would all pile into the church van and we would drive to, I lived in Michigan, so we would drive to like the Palace of Auburn Hills in Detroit to see the Pistons play. I think that's who's there. I didn't really go for the game so much. Uh, we would go to concerts, you know, like really like rocking stuff like Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman. And so we would go and we would be in the church van and we would go like good, the good little Christian teenagers that we were. And as soon as we would get to the venue and, you know, all pile out of the church van, we would immediately turn into heathens and just start lying to everybody that we saw. So we would find our seats, which were generally absolutely as high up as you could possibly go. I think once our backs were to the wall, like that's how high we were afraid to like move. We were going to tip forward. So we would get there and then start lying and say, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go get a snack. And then the real fun started because we would have a competition of who could get the closest down to the floor or the stage or whatever it was. And we would have all kinds of strategies, right? It might be that we would just try to like sneak past an usher or we would lie. You guys, good Christian kids. We would be like, dad, I see my dad. And we would just start yelling and like making a commotion and then just go and like, good luck to anybody who tried to stop us, you know? And sometimes it worked. Sometimes this was again, back in the day of no cell phones, no texting, whatever. So it's not like we could like, send a selfie to the people that were still at the top and be like, look, we did it. So now we're sitting at the bottom trying to get their attention, like, because you wanted people to know, right? You wanted them to know, like, look what we did. Look at the seats that we got ourselves in. But eventually, the place would start to fill up. People would not show up quite as early because they knew they had a reserved spot and then the usher would have to come down and say, hey, can I see your ticket? Because I don't think this is your seat. Then, humiliated, we would have to get up with everyone watching and go all the way back to our nosebleed seats. I think we also do this in our lives. We do this right now. We do this at work. Maybe you do this at work. You network with specific people. Maybe you join specific boards at work, or you join specific meetings, or you go to lunch or dinner or happy hour with specific people that are going to elevate you to the next level, that are going to get you to your goals. I think we sit in these seats even in our families. Anybody, uh, if you are being honest, can maybe take a look at your family or someone else's family and go, oh, I think there's like a most important person here, right? Maybe it's the mom, maybe. Um, Maybe it's the favorite child. So sorry, sometimes that's a thing. Sorry, guys, I should have said, like, earmuff them. It might be you today, it might be him tomorrow. Like, it's all good, it changes. Some days it's gonna be neither one of you, and it's okay. But there is someone in the family that kind of maybe the rules don't apply to them, or they're gonna make sure that things happen a certain way, right? The family caters to them. So you wanna make sure you sit in a seat by that person, because they're gonna be able to help you with, I don't know, babysitting or sending home leftovers from Thanksgiving, or whatever it is. We do this socially as well. Anybody uh, a bad RSVPer? Where you get invited to something, we got a couple honest hands here, you get invited to something and you're like, I'm gonna wait. Because what if somebody better comes along? What if better plans come along? Or even worse than you non-RSVPers are the last minute cancelers, 
guys, we know what, we know what you're doing, okay? When you've said yes to our event, and then all of a sudden at the last second, again, you can't make it, we know you've been invited to something better. We do this. We make sure that we sit with people that are going to elevate us or do something for us. I think some of us even try to control the seats around us. We even try to control the seats that are around us because who we're sitting with says something about us. Now, when I think of the best seat at the table, I, I don't actually think of the head of the table, right? Well, I do. I mean, that's like the head of the table. This is where you should sit. This is the place of honor. But for me, I want to sit right in the middle because <laughs> I have FOMO so hard, you guys. <laughs> And at the head of the table, I'm like, I don't need to sit in the place of honor. Like, I don't need to sit at the head of the table, but I want to sit right in the middle because then I have the best access to all of the conversations. Because if I'm down here at one end and you guys start laughing down here, I'm going to be so bummed out that I'm not part and I don't know what this joke is. But if I can sit in the middle, then I'm like, okay. And there are people that take this one step further. And you've probably seen this. Even if it's just like something easy. It's not a birthday. It's just a casual hangout. Someone will plop themselves down in a chair. And they'll be like, come on, guys. Come sit down. Don't sit here. And don't, don't sit here. Don't sit here. Don't sit here or here or here or here. You can't sit really like kind of generally here. These are all saved. All these seats are reserved. But you can come sit. You can sit over here. You can sit on the other places. But don't sit in these seats around me. See, what happens is, then we reserve the chair. We give value to this chair. And suddenly, instead of worrying about sitting at the table, we're worried about what chair we're sitting in. And we have assigned value to this. And it becomes a game of musical chairs. It becomes a game of not just come and sit at the table, but I need to sit in this seat. Because as soon as you assign value to something, as soon as you make something special, everybody wants that chair. Everybody wants to sit there. It doesn't matter if it's at the head or it's in the middle. As soon as we make this what gives us our value, this is where the competition comes in. All of a sudden, it's a fight for the seat. All of these scenarios put the value in the chair. And I think Jesus is trying to tell us here it is not about the seat. So where do we sit? He goes on in verse 10. But... When you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. He's saying sit in the place of least honor. This is really reminiscent for me um, of the verse in Matthew where Jesus, again, after telling a story at the end of a parable, he says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Is another way we were good Christians in high school is we would take this verse out of context all the time. We would get in line and then be like, oh, I'm last, you're first, now we got to switch spots. So like whatever the thing was, you're first, I'm last, you see what I'm doing here? We would have to just like, I mean, talk about taking the Bible verses to mean whatever you want them to mean. Teenagers are very good at doing that, I think. So are some adults. But it's more than this. It's more than just a fake humility and a false humility of like, I'm going to be humble just so that I can get elevated. This is not what it's about. It's more than that. In verse 11, Jesus goes on. He says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
He's saying it's the people who aren't looking for honor that are going to find themselves with it. It's the people who humble themselves that are going to actually find honor. And this is one of those passages. These are one of those verses that I think it's really easy to think of somebody else, right? And go, ooh, I'm going to share this later because I'm going to know she needs to see this. He needs to see this. He's, Jesus is talking to a certain kind of person here, somebody who's vain, somebody who's conceited, somebody who's arrogant. That's not me. Somebody who's prideful. I can definitely think of somebody, but it's not me. This is one of those passages. It's so easy to just put it on somebody else and take it off of ourselves. But you don't have to be looking for honor for this to apply to you. There are lots of different ways that we seek honor and we seek to exalt ourselves. I made a list here. Maybe you're looking for attention. Maybe you're looking for recognition of things that you've done or things that you've said or ways that you've been so selfless. Maybe you're looking for popularity. You just, you want people to know who you are, but what's even more important than that is that the right people know who you are, that the important people know who you are. Maybe you're looking for praise, which even takes recognition, I think, a step further of not just like, hey, I see that you did this, but now I'm gonna make sure that you get some kind of reward for it. I think some of us exalt ourselves by wanting special privileges or insider information. Do we live our lives in such a way that go, I'm special and so now the rules don't apply to me. I'm special so I don't have to do that. I know the right information. I know what this is. So all of these rules, laws, mandates don't apply to my life. See, humility comes with self-awareness. And the biggest question the most important question when it comes to self-awareness is why. Why am I? Why am I doing this? Why am I acting like this? Why am I believing these things? Why am I reacting? Why am I saying the things that I'm saying? And maybe it is pride. Maybe it is pride because you're trying to convince other people that you're as good as you think you are. Or, it could be fear, because you're trying to convince other people that you're as good as you want them to think you are, because secretly you're trying to convince yourself of your own value. We chase honor, we chase chairs when we don't understand where our value comes from. This is what happens when we think our value comes from other people. When we think our value comes from here and who sits here and who puts us here, then we have to seek it out. We have to seek honor. We need honor not only from the person that we want to elevate us, but we need to make sure everybody else sees that we're up here too because that's where our value comes from, that everybody knows we live up here. If anybody could have lived this life, it was Jesus, but he did not do it. Let's jump over to Philippians 2, talking about Jesus. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. It doesn't mean that he didn't think it was special. It just means that Jesus did not walk around behind the mask of this. He did not walk around with this being his like one banner that he waved. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. 
when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself again in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. See, Jesus modeled humility over and over and over in his life. All through his death, his message to us was your life matters. You have value. Not because of what, chin, what chair you've been able to finagle yourself into. You don't have value because of what you've been able to convince other people of. You have value because I see you. You have value because I say you do. And I gave up my life for yours. So I think Jesus is saying, sit in that chair. Let that be your confidence. That I have already given you this seat. This is your seat. This is where your value comes from. This is where your worth comes from. Not in the chair itself, but because I see you. I gave it to you. And guess what else is the best part about getting to sit in a chair that Jesus has pulled out for you? You can get up. And no one is going to take it from you. No one is going to take it from you. That is your chair. It's yours. And all of a sudden, the scarcity mentality disappears. And all of a sudden, the race to push and get in the right seat no longer matters. And instead of looking at a chair and going, oh, this is the one, this is my one opportunity, this is the one place I have to sit, we can realize that the table is endless. And there are chairs farther than we can see. So now the question is, how do we fill them up? We're going to go back to the passage, and Jesus is going to move from talking to the guests to talking to the host. And says, Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or your sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. This entire section that we're going through today, all of these verses, it's actually sectioned in the message um, translation as invite the misfits. And I love that so much. <laughs> I think it's so perfect for what Jesus is doing here. And see, these groups, the lame, the blind, the crippled, the poor, he is talking about a specific group of people. These were biblical misfits. They were biblical misfits that were not allowed to be part of the community. By Levitical law, they were actually forbidden to serve as priests. They were deliberately separated from everybody else. So now here's Jesus talking to the Pharisees, who themselves have been separated from everybody else by their own choice. And he's bringing in a group of people who are also deliberately separated, but not at all by their own choice. And these are the two parallels, the two groups of people that he's trying to bring together. He's saying, look around. It's always the same people at your table. It's always the same people at your parties. It's your family. It's your friends. It's the people who can do something for you. It's the people that agree with everything you say. It's the people that encourage you on. And yes, that's important, but we also need people that challenge us. It's the people that are going to benefit you and the people that support you. Y'all, there's a lot of ideas. Not all of them are good. Like, that's just true. We need people in our lives that are not just going to say, yes, yes, yes. I think Jesus is saying there are so many seats 
Why are they empty? Why are they empty? And don't fill them up with the same people who couldn't make it this time. Go get the people on the outskirts and you bring them in here to these chairs. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, they represented people that were not like the people at the table. So who are your misfits? Who is being excluded in your life? Who is being excluded from your table? And it's super easy to go for the big ones, right? We can go opposing political parties. We can say people on the other side of the whole like mask and vax debate. We're not getting into it. I'm just saying that's a very easy one to relate to. There are lots of things. People that don't believe the same thing as you. Even people who believe the same thing as you yet somehow don't because Christianity is so weird and that can, those can both be true at the same time. But there's also other things. Maybe you're the life of the party and you really just are all about social events and you know there are people that are a little bit socially awkward and you don't want to invite them because they don't know what to do even if they got to the party. They still want to be invited. Maybe you're single or you found yourself single again and so you're like, woo, single life, I want nothing to do with the marrieds because I'm over here doing this or opposite, you've gotten married and now all you want to do is couple stuff and hang out with married people and all of your single friends are like, what happened? Why can't we come to your table anymore? Maybe it's, it's in your family with parenting. Your kids go to a different school or a different kind of school. Or there are parents that homeschool or they just raise their kids a different way that you do. And so no longer then do those people get a seat at your table. I think it's even easy to do, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. It's easy to do uh, without even realizing it. In church, on a Sunday morning, at work, at a social event, you meet somebody and then you find out they're between jobs they're between moves, they're between relationships. Oh, they're just here church shopping, they're just checking it out. They may not even be back next Sunday. Why am I gonna bother investing in these people that are gonna be gone next week or next month or I'm not sure. All of these people still want the invitation. All of these people still deserve a seat. So who do you see in the peripheral that you're not really seeing? And will we make them change to access our tables or will we change our tables to give them access? See, Jesus is calling us as the church to change our tables by pulling out chairs. And misfits are not hard to find. They're not hard to find. Some of y'all are misfits, I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> My favorite thing about Metro is that we, um, <laughs> We've loving, we lovingly referred to Metro as the Misfits for a couple years. And some of you are like, wait, what? I didn't know that. And I don't know if I like this, if I like this terminology. But it's so true. And really, it's not just Metro. It really is Mosaic as a whole. You guys who have bought in, who are part of us and consider yourselves part of us, you get the heart of Mosaic and what we're doing. And that you, everybody is allowed to sit here. Everybody is allowed at the table. But my favorite thing is when I talk to somebody new or somebody who has finally committed to make Mosaic their home, and I'm like, why did you pick us? Or why did you come back? Like, I always just like to know people's stories. And my favorite thing, my favorite thing is, I mean, I tried to just come in and check y'all out. I tried to blend in. I tried to sneak by. I tried to come in late and leave early. But they tried. 
and that means they weren't successful. Because people who are used to being unseen were caught off guard when we saw them. People who are used to being unseen at other places came in and they were like, oh dang. <laughs> I've, I've literally had people say like, I don't know how you see everybody. I don't know how you got me. I really tried to like camouflage and like blend into the wall, but you were hugging me and I didn't even know what your name was. <laughs> I'm like, welcome, that's my job. I get paid to do this. <laughs> we do this mosaic. You guys do it so well and we're not perfect. We're not perfect at it. So if some of you are sitting there right now and you're like, I've been here two or three times, you haven't said hi to me yet, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like it's truly not my heart. I'm also gonna blame it on the masks because it makes it a lot more difficult to know if we've met in person or not. So we'll just give each other grace, okay? But it's also why both of these things are so important. It's also why volunteering is important. It's also why small groups are important. Both of these are community. This is the way that we get to see each other. Because I'm gonna tell you what, the staff of Mosaic, the paid staff, cannot see and care for all of you, even if we wanted to. And it's not set up to be that way. Church is not designed to be that way anyway. As a body, we come together and it takes all of us. And I'm so grateful you guys are here. Online, I'm so grateful you guys are here. But there are other people outside waiting to be invited. And the church, needs to get better at making the invitation. Here's some words you might see on a website or on a pamphlet or on a sign driving down the street. You are welcome. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome here. It looks good, right? So that says you can come in. Find a table. Come on in. There's lots of tables. Pick one. Okay? Then you might see one that says you belong. You belong here. Welcome home. That says, you can come in and I have a chair for you. You can sit at my table. You belong here, you can sit right here. Invite the misfits. It says, I'm gonna get up from my seat. I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna find you, and I'm gonna bring you in myself. Because God sees you, and so now I see you, and I wanna know who you are. Because Jesus says that you matter, and so you matter here. That is what an invitation is. See, the misfits are of no benefit to you. These are not people that are going to come in and necessarily join a volunteer team. They may not be able to start tithing and giving and supporting us right away. But when we can stop choosing the things that we're going to do based on what they can do for us, that's humility, friends. That changes everything. And all of a sudden, we don't care anymore if the misfits, if the people we invite can do something for us. That's humility, putting the needs of others before our own, putting the value of other people before our own. When pulling out a chair for someone else becomes more important than what we can get from the person who sits in it, it changes everything. It changes everything. So Jesus finishes this with a promise for us in verse 14. He says, and you will be blessed Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So we have moved here. We've moved from you will be honored in verse 10 to you will be blessed. We've moved from you will be honored by people to you will be blessed by God. You will be blessed and you will be repaid. How? I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe Pastor Naeem can uh, explore that for us a little bit more next week as we continue on with our series. But I'm going to tell you what I hope it looks like, okay? I hope that one day I show up and I get to heaven and God is there and he's at the pearly gates or the golden gates or whatever and he welcomes me in and there's other people there, Peter and Paul and all the people that I'm excited to meet. I need to talk to Paul in the heavenly Starbucks about some things he said, but we'll get there one day. But I hope that instead of a crown full of jewels, which is what I kind of grew up believing God would have for me when I get there one day, I hope that instead he says, come here, I gotta show you something. Come here, look at this. And he takes me to a huge table. Big, huge table. Lots of seats. Some of them are empty. Some of them have people sitting in them. And I hope God says to me, hey, remember down there? Remember when you saw other people? Remember when you could see past yourself? Remember when you pulled out a chair for the misfits? Look, you're sitting in these seats. And you see all these empty seats? That's because we got a lot more coming because of what you did with your life, because you lived your life for other people, pulling out chairs and inviting them to Jesus' table. That is all the reward I would need. But we don't invite people to the table for the reward, not for the reward now, not for the reward later of the future. We do it out of a response. We do it because we remember what it was like when Jesus pulled out the chair for us. We remember the first time that we sat down at Jesus' table and realized that we were set, that we had been invited and included, and that we have a seat. And even if we get up to go get other people, it doesn't matter. No one is going to sit here because this is ours. We are secure at Jesus' table. And that is why we can make the ask. That is why we can get up and invite other people people in. So let me make it really clear. Jesus is inviting you to his table. He has a chair for you and he's pulling it out and he wants you to come in and sit down with him. And maybe you've never thought that that was an option for you before. Maybe you've been told, hey, like you can come in, but sit at a different table. You can come in, but not at Jesus's table, not right here. No. He's saying to you, friend, come and sit at the seat of honor. I am inviting you in because I see you. And your value is not. Your value does not come from what other people say or how they see you. Your value does not come from how you see yourself, but your value comes from me because I see you and I am inviting you in. And it doesn't matter if you've been told before that you can't sit here. You have a seat at Jesus's table. He wants you to come in and come close. If you've never, I'm gonna pray for us in just a second. If you've never sat down, if you've never experienced that kind of closeness or intimacy with Jesus, you can start today. And truly, it's as easy as a prayer. Not a specific prayer, not specific words. It's more about your heart and just saying, Jesus, okay. You see me and I don't get it because I don't know how you can look at me and see what you say you do. I don't know how you can look at me with love the way you do because I know myself. But okay, I believe you and I want to sit at your table. And if you're already there, if you already are in a relationship with Jesus, 
look around and see who you can bring to the table with you. There are so many empty seats. Who can you invite in to join you at the table? Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, for the way that you give us so much grace. God, the way that you look at our lives and you never take things away from us. God, you don't take away our seat when we mess up. It doesn't matter if we're getting up to invite other people in, God, or if we're getting up from our seat to run away because we're mad at you or we're confused or we don't know what's going on. Whatever the reason, God, our seat is always there. And we thank you. Lord, I pray specifically for the people right now who want to have this relationship with you, Jesus. Maybe for the people who have been told that they can't get that close because they're broken or they're wrong or because of what they've done or because of who they are. God, I pray right now that you would silence all of those voices, that they would be able to recognize the lies of the enemy, whether they're coming out of other people's mouths, God, or their own minds. Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them even in just a deep breath. God, just a sense of peace and calm that they would be able to sit in the confidence of knowing that they are accepted because you have accepted them and that they are loved because you love them and that they have value because you see their value because they are your child. God, I pray that you would help us to see the people around us, the people that we see but don't really see. God, and that you would give us those nudges to make the invitation, that we would live our lives in a way says everybody is more than welcome. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.